Dobro jutro. Oh, I mean, I'm um, sorry. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good whatever it is, wherever you might be. It is the 23rd of February. I went to ZT World this week in Orlando, Florida, hosted by the great folks at Threat Locker. Did a hell of a job. Um, a lot of people there. I would say three, maybe 400 total. Um, got to shake hands, got to meet people, got to interact. Everyone seemed to be following what protocols they felt were specific to them. Um, I saw some folks wearing masks. I saw some folks not. I made my sort of health decisions and did what I felt was comfortable, and everybody had a good time. Maybe this is the way things are going to go. Maybe there's hope. Um, we'll see. Anyway, moving into the cyberspace, because this is the stuff that I know about. I'm not going to comment on virus outside of uh, cyber, like cyber viruses. Anyway, <clears throat> there's a really good article that was published by Microsoft on the 17th, uh, Joy Chick, who's the corporate VP for Microsoft Identity, uh, U.S. government sets four zero trust architecture strategy and requirements. Now, the real value of what we're looking at here is that this is a vendor who is subscribing to a big time strategy, excuse me, who is also talking about how they move into ZT. Um, they do a really good job here in this article of not saying, hey, we have a ZT stuff, buy all of our shit, and all of a sudden you're ZT. No, they talk about, look, here's the EO, here's the references, here's the architectures that we provide, here's the papers that are cited. Like, this is almost academic in its writing. I don't even know what I would necessarily call this a blog. I would maybe say this is kind of an academic-ish paper. Uh, then they go on to how to implement ZT with Microsoft, which it's their paper, so it makes sense. But they go through the maturity model, which is published by CISA, not Microsoft. And then they talk about how their maturity model kind of maps into that. And then they publish a bunch of reference architectures. If you look at their architecture, it's got things in there like uh, pillars, identities or users, endpoints, devices, networks, data, applications, and infrastructure strengthened by governance, visibility, analytics, and automation orchestration. That sounds eerily familiar to me. Where would Microsoft or you know, anyone in general have found such a, uh, applicable framework for zero trust. I can't imagine where, um, I think I see it in my nightmares. Anyway, uh, there's some really good things on here. There's some, some references to the cloud adoption framework. They talk about a rapid modernization plan, a downloadable suggested phased rollout plan to accelerate adoption of ZT. They have scenario architectures again, really good Microsoft, uh, multi-factor authentication deployment guide for Azure AD. And an interactive guide on the cybersecurity EO, which is the last link in this thing, which should probably be the first one, but go check it out. Clear, concise guidance to help organizations better understand near and long-term milestones, build strategic response aligned to security modernization priorities and executive order requirements and determine how technology partners can help accelerate the journey. What more could you be looking for? Like there it is. And again, this is written by a vendor, but they're not schlepping hardcore vendor stuff like they they say we got stuff that can do this but they say really this is about the strategy this is about the big time approach and if you want to use microsoft for it great they do go into some of the new capabilities of azure ad which talk about how they help meet those requirements um, specifically with eo 14028 uh, they talk about the cloud native certificate based authentication program cross tenant access settings external collaboration uh, they get into some stuff about new capabilities, which are phishing-resistant authentication for employees, businesses, partners, and vendors. But they talk about hybrid and multi-cloud environments. They don't just stick to Azure, which is good. Again, you don't often see vendors that go outside of their own sort of ballywick and say that others have got valid approaches in the space too. But this is good. 
And then they have a bunch of resources in here. Cybersecurity EO resources for federal, Zero Trust Guidance Center, which is really, really well done, reference architecture. So please stop griping and bitching about, there's no reference architecture for ZT. We don't have any reference architectures. Dr. Cunningham, would you please do that? They're out there. All right. Microsoft's got great ones. Go look them up. If you're looking for reference architecture, they're there. There's literally links to about eight of them in this one particular document. Uh, they, I did go look at their phased rollout plan, phase one, identify and monitor. So kind of know where you are, know what you're looking at and have a plan. Phase two, reduce risk that goes through what you should do, kind of your burn down side of things. And then phase three, increase protection, put other stuff in place after you've done the burn down to shore up what you've gotten rid of. And it's cool. Cause in here they do talk about Azure AD, AD. They do talk about different pieces of Microsoft, but they also talk a lot about general sort of strategic approaches, enforce data and application access policies, uh, define sensitive data types, monitor and aggregate flows. Uh, you know, they don't beat you to death with Microsoft stuff. So I was very, in, uh, not in heartened because that's not a word. I was very uh, happy. That's a really dumb word. But anyway, I was, I was glad to see that they had done this. I went through their reference architectures as well, which is on uh, GitHub. If you look at Microsoft and ZT, you'll find them. Um, they have uh, a breakdown on zero trust scenarios. So use cases, which everyone's always griping about. They're there, network micro segmentation. It even tells you a rough level of effort. Now, don't go look at this and go, well, I have 75,000 endpoints. There's no way in God's green earth I can do this in a day. Duh. This is just a general sort of over the bow type of idea of like, look, if you did this one thing, it would take you one day or roughly a day. And they reference NIST 800-207 and they give you the section 3.1.2. East, West, North, South. There's another one for cloud administration and it talks about NIST 800-207, 3.11, 3.23. And it says... Number one, dedicated cloud-only admin. Number two, managed device configuration. Number three, no on-premises account has access as elevated privileges. Number four, Azure AD authentication with blah, blah. Like, so it's all here, and it's really, really well put together. Uh, remote server administration, POC level of effort, two days. NIST 800 3.11, 3.12, and 3.23. So go look at this stuff. Go read it up. Hat, tip, wag of the finger. Well done to Microsoft. Y'all keep it up. This is rock and roll type of um, information, in my opinion. CISA also published something very interesting. Uh, CISA Insights on mid-February, uh, preparing for and mitigating foreign influence operations targeting critical infrastructure. Never has this been more prevalent and more needed than it is right now when we have this thing going on with Russia and Ukraine. Um, however, I did want to point out one thing that occurred to me very quickly when I looked at this was CISA's got this thing published and they talk about malicious actors use influence operations, including tactics like misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation, which I'd never heard malinformation before, but then they call it MDM. Now, any of us in the cyberspace know that MDM means mobile device management, and that's been around for quite a while. So this is an example, in my humble opinion, of throwing another term into the space that helps only the organization that's publishing it and is confusing to the rest of us. Cause I read this thing twice, I think three times actually. And every time I saw MDM, I thought about mobile device management. I don't know that this was necessarily a good time to introduce a term on top of a well-established term CISA. So maybe not do that next time. Um, 
it's good information. There's a lot of good stuff in here. I'll read through some of it that I thought was applicable. But back to what I said a couple of weeks ago, more names, more terms, more blasey blasey on top of other stuff doesn't really help. It's not good for clarity. Uh, they talk about how to assess the information environment, and this is around misinformation or malinformation, which, again, I don't know that I've ever heard that term, but okay, cool. Um, evaluate the precedent for MDM. See, they call it MDM again, which is not mobile device management. It's misinformation. Narratives targeting your sector. Learn how and where your stakeholders and customers receive information. Know how people get your information. Know how they publicly view you. Is it Twitter? 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 What the hell did I say? Twitter? Is it Facebook? Is it LinkedIn? Is it YouTube? Is it newspaper? How do they get their information? Consider how those channels would allow your organization to identify and respond to, again, MDM, which is not accurate. Operate on the principle of empowering trusted partners with accurate information. So make sure that people have the truth so that they can counter the narrative. And then monitor for any changes to online activity related to your organization sector, such as sudden increase in tags, followers of spike in searches, or high volume increase. Now, that one's the one that kind of sticks out to me, having sat in this space for a while and worked with organizations like Zignal and Zero Fox and others that probably have a Z in front of their name. Um, if you don't have a capability to do this at speed and scale and do it analytically, intelligently, you won't keep up. Like you can't have some intern sitting there monitoring your Twitter when you have, you know, a giant following um, and keep up with the narrative. The narrative will run away on you. Look at what happened with Starbucks. Look at what happened with... Uh, BOA, look at what happened with Wells Fargo, like all those organizations, they didn't have that capability and the narrative got ahead of them and they had to deal with the fallout and Starbucks did it right. Wells Fargo didn't, but it just shows that if you don't own the narrative, someone will own it for you. And if we think about how this goes in critical infrastructure spaces, um, JBS, the oil and gas industry, other stuff, it becomes a real problem. Point being, you, I think, organizations that aren't government need to have a capability to do this at speed and scale. And you need a vendor solution. And I'm not endorsing. I'm just saying this is reality. You need a vendor solution that will allow you to do this at speed and scale because you can't keep up with it on your own. This is not threat intelligence specifically. This is owning the narrative and being able to counter false information, do it in the right manner that's going to benefit your organization. Uh, it talks about organizations to establish their own criteria for evaluating the severity of MDM. God damn, that pisses me off. Uh, misinformation narratives. Examples of indicators could include, does a narrative significantly threaten to undermine your critical function? What are known examples? Does a narrative or incident have the potential to negatively affect your critical function? What narratives are clearly disprovable, implausible, or pose a limited threat? That one's probably a little bit difficult because in today's world, people believe anything on the fucking internet for some reason. So, you know, you have to be careful. Um, if it's even remotely plausible and you have enough bots and you have enough dumbasses behind it tweeting and responding and talking about it, it will become a true narrative. So you had better be able to respond to this at speed and scale because there's a lot of morons out there and a lot of morons that can click on things become an army of morons that you know, promote the content. Um, it talks about educating staff, reminding staff to smart email hygiene, blah, 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 building your narrative, influence operations. Um, yeah, so I would say go look at this. It's pretty solid. You know, the, the one thing they have in here that's a little bit goofy, honestly, is the thing they call the trust model. T, tell your story. R, ready your team. U, understand and assess. S, strategize your response. T, track the outcomes. 
yeah, it's good. And I say it's goofy just because it's like another you know, word soup for the sake of word soup when they've already said all that stuff in this document. Really, this is about being able to control the narrative and stay ahead of it. And this is going to happen. Like we're going to see this very soon with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. It's going to happen. Another article that I thought was outside of the norm that was also super useful was this article in Politico, um, the agency that may be able to thwart ransomware. Now, immediately when you think about that, okay, like, well, that should be CISA or, you know, X or Y. Funny enough, they actually talk about the IRS. The IRS's criminal investigators have spent years honing their cryptocurrency skills. Now they face Russia's criminal hacker gangs. This is by Sam Sabin um, on Politico. Sanctions, okay, sanctions or whatever. Indictments and potential cyber counterattacks aren't President Joe Biden's only options for denting the scourge of ransomware attacks, plaguing schools, hospitals, government. He also has the IRS. Now, really, when you think about the IRS, most people think about a bunch of accountants that sit around and crunch numbers and give you your tax return too late and whatever else. The IRS, those are the folks that put Capone in jail. I mean, he got away with you know, all the other stuff, but. That if there's any one agency, honestly, that you should probably be terrified is just, you know, the average everyday person, it's the IRS. Like for me personally, that's the one agency I will not fuck around with because they will throw your ass in jail really quickly and they'll have a document trail 10 miles long to prove that you should be in an orange jumpsuit. 90 years after the uh, IRS investigation ended Al Capone's reign as America's most notorious mobster, the tax agency holds promise in combating yet another seemingly unsolvable crime spree. This time, it's the ability to trace dark money. It's made its crucial partner to other federal agencies investigating ransomware games, ransomware gangs, excuse me, uh, and a role that IRS played last year by helping the FBI seize millions of dollars of Bitcoin from the hackers who had crippled the U.S. gasoline supply. Uh, their resources have been growing. The agency's cyber crime unit has expanded from about five agents in 2015 to 130 personnel today. It's also opening a center in Northern Virginia later this year that will bring together its own cyber crime agents with law enforcement agencies and other bureaus focused specifically on cryptocurrency investigation. Um, it goes through a whole bunch of things that they're doing. There's a really good rundown on kind of how they in, analyze and look at crypto crimes and whatever else. Um, interesting article. I'm not an expert on anything around crypto, so I thought this was really useful. Um, the IRS's criminal investigation unit is tip of the spear when it comes to crypto invest investigations, said Ari Redboard, a former senior official in the Treasury Department's Terrorism Financial Intelligence Office. Um, they do great stuff. I mean, if you've, when I was working for some agencies, um, I went and saw what the Treasury did. I went and did some work with some IRS folks. Like they'll find a way to do the analysis to to dig the dirt that they need. Um, I would say I would be scared of these cats, honestly. F FBI, sure, concerning. They've got you know their agents, whatever else. But if you're going to get got for fraud or for dollars and cents, it's going to be the IRS that gets you. Um, so read this article. Talks about the coordination, the collaboration. Uh, there's some really good sort of references to video. There's a case that they talk about around um, uh, FBI and Justice Department taking down a South Korean organization that was involved in cryptocurrency and child pornography. Like this, this is actually pretty eye-opening. So maybe this is the agency that will, you know, take it to the ransomware operations. I think it's interesting. I don't honestly know about the IRS's ability to reach outside of our borders, but they would probably be able to do a lot of things within the U.S., which are where a lot of crypto is being exchanged. Um, 
but then if that crypto moves overseas, how do they deal with that is kind of my question. So, yeah. Um, interesting stuff. There continues to be some crazy growth going on around the cryptocurrency side of what this, uh, you know, what is taking place in the space, especially defensive. Another article in GovTech, uh, Zero Trust, how New Jersey courts rethought cybersecurity adopting a zero trust approach has helped the court secure remote and hybrid operations and limit how much damage a potential hacker could wreak, says the New Jersey Judiciary CIO, Jack McCarthy. Um, talks about ZT architecture, the court systems, the ju judicial branch turned to a virtual court session and remote workforces during the pandemic because we had to. Um, he said that the ZT for that whole thing is here to stay. Uh, this uh, CIO Jack McCarthy told Government Technology Zero Trust allows the courts to safeguard remote and hybrid operations, which is how we all live today, and limits the damage a malicious actor could wreak should they break through New Jersey's various labor layers of cyber defense, which that pretty much is a given. I mean, that's one of the key things about ZT, assume breach. Uh, ZT has an ability to limit things moving laterally. If one device got hit, it doesn't mean everything should get hit. Like, there you go, period. We've heard that from so many different folks. This is what it's supposed to look like. This is how ZT is supposed to play. Um, this is what you do. That's the big deal. It's not burning the forest down because a tree got caught on fire. You're doing this the right way because that's what's about limiting lateral movement, limiting the entire building burning down because one room uh, got hit. Um, you know, it even goes through like how they've architected this. It kind of references their on-prem, off-prem, remote sort of side of it. Um, uh, you know, he, I, I would say that honestly, the subscription here for this organization is really to the Google model where it's a cafe style network and they're just on the internet all the time, which is the way things are going to go. So, um, if you're going to look at this, you know, go look it up. Uh, if you want an example of an organization that is state and local that has moved to ZT and has done a good job of it, you know, interesting. Um, and part of the reason it, it cites this specifically that this organization did this was because this particular CIO was smart enough when he looked at other organizations that were getting their ass kicked, specifically Texas, Atlanta, Georgia, Philadelphia, and others. Um, he said, I don't want to be them. Um, this is something we talk about all the time in ZT workshops. Don't be the slow gazelle on the cyber Serengeti. They looked out there and said, you know, we don't want to be them. So let's not do what they're doing and we'll move away from that space and be better. They're never going to be perfect, but they'll be better. And they've been better. Uh, good article talks about controlling access, talks about account management, talks about device security, talks about all the things we'd say in ZT. Again, if you're looking for an example of an organization that is state and local that doesn't have ridiculous, stupid money to go into the problem space and is actually enabling zero trust, here you go. Go look it up. Again, another example of when someone says, well, how do you do this whole thing? I can't, it's impossible. There's an example. So, yeah. And then lastly, uh, because this is a long-term strategy, there's an article from the DOJ uh, that says they have a three-year roadmap to ZT. Uh, this is by Chris Riotta, Riotta um, on fcw.com. A Department of Justice Technish, tech, uh, tech official laid out the agency's six-step plan to achieve a ZT architecture within three years, which largely mirrors a government-wide strategy the White House released last month. Now, this was published on the 16th of February. Point here, six-step plan. Sometimes you see a five-step plan. Sometimes you see a seven-step plan. Sometimes you see a three. It's a strategy. It's something that can be modified, manipulated, and put into place for your particular organization. There is no 
overarching thou shalt have X, Y, and Z to do zero trust. That's not it. It's a strategy that can be modified, manipulated, and put in place specific to your problem set, the capabilities that you have, the technologies that you need, the user base, all those other things. And then it's there. You know, think about it like in the context of your own physical health. You might not be able to run a marathon. Doesn't mean you can't be healthy. You could still do other things. You could change up the way you eat. You could sleep more. You could exercise right, whatever else. Um, you may not want to be a bodybuilder. You might want to be a CrossFitter. Point being, you can make this your own. It, there is no, even with an EO out, there is no government body that says this is it and there are no other alternatives. A strategy done correctly is specific to you or your organization. The Department of Justice's identity management team has developed a three-year roadmap to push the department towards a ZT architecture in line with the White House strategy formally issued last month. Kevin Cox, the deputy CIO of the DOJ and head of cybersecurity at CISA uh, CDM, uh, yeah, CDM, sorry, CDM, detailed the six-step process towards achieving an identity-based zero-trust architecture in an event. We're no longer focused on the physical network. So much as looking at the identity of the user. Well, why? Well, what do people use for compromise? They use users. They use bad passwords. They use VPNs. They use all those things we've heard a thousand times before. The network just shovels electrons. The network just moves things back and forth. It's kind of like thinking that the road system is responsible for all of the crashes that we have. No, it's the dumbasses behind the wheel. Cox explained, describing the transition to zero trust, a major effort, so it's real, it's a big time deal, it's going to cost money, it's going to be you know, an effort throughout the department to replace the old way of networking with a more secure approach focused on the individual, again, because that's where the problem lies. The DOJ has begun working to ensure its organizations are taking steps outlined in the roadmap and the federal ZT strategy, so they're taking steps, they're looking at it, they're mapping their plan around it, but they're not saying that that is the only way that things can be done, uh, and then they're going forward. Um, Cox said limiting uh, privileged users, so getting rid of lateral movement, and monitoring those with privileged access, duh, to ensure remote and biometric identity proofing. Biometrics, super awesome. One of the final points of the DOJ's six-step plan is to effectively remove static perimeter. No more perimeter, right? While continuously monitoring endpoints. Under the White House ZT strategy, agencies have until the end of fiscal year 2024 which is government stuff, so it's going to be a while, but that's fine, to implement specific ZT security goals, which include beginning to execute a plan to break down their perimeters into isolated environments and taking advantage of cloud security services. Whew. Cox noted several initiatives remain underway, including expanding data use and capabilities to maximize zero-trust identity, credential, and access management efforts. Still working towards developing data analytics strategy. Why? And this is what I would like to point out before I wrap up is because data is the hardest thing to actually lock down in an organization. Data is very transitory. It can be created any time. The value changes. It is not the same thing for every particular user or every particular job or every particular entity. Therefore, data is the most hard thing to secure in a system. So the question becomes, should you take care of data first and try and solve an almost unsolvable problem or should you approach it where you can apply controls around the data, identity and access management devices, networks, users, workloads, applications, et cetera, and the data becomes more secure by the nature of the defenses that are put in place? Doesn't that make sense? So again, this is what it looks like. This is how it works. This is what goes in place. This is what makes a difference. It's real. 
It's practical. It takes time, but it's here. You can't argue anymore that this is not the thing. Um, there's reference architectures, there's plans, there's plots, there's schemes, there's truth, there's organizations, state and local, big time federal, big banks, big hospitals, whatever, that are all moving into this model. The question that most folks should be asking themselves is how much proof do you need that this is where you need to be? If you walked into a room and saw a thousand people just fall over dead, would you do the same thing that they did? You would probably do something different because you want to survive. This is what we're talking about in cybersecurity. This is what we're talking about in zero trust. Survival. Making it past the compromise and continuing to be effective in the space. You will not be perfect. We will not be perfect. Lord knows I'm not perfect. The best we can do is not be the slow gazelle in the cyber Serengeti. Zero trust is the strategy that makes that difference. Start putting it in place. It's the 23rd. Stay smart. Stay safe. Stay secure. I'll see you on the next one. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.